podcast is on. It is making noise. I am too. Aching noise. Okay. Hi, welcome to You Should Care About This. In which I, John, older brother and history nerd, try to convince... Aaron, younger sister, not history nerd. ...to care about Christian history by telling mostly true stories of people's revolts and revolutionary movements. Are you... Now I'm recording. Okay, cool. Welcome to episode four. Okay, so last podcast we talked about... Don't look at me like that. Last podcast we talked about the mothers and fathers of the desert. Very good. Great. I wasn't trying to quiz you. I just thought you were giving me a weird expression. Anyway, so... Maintaining eye contact. We're going to stare at each other this entire podcast and see how it goes. Okay, great. So, uh, this episode we're going to flash... Talk about the Bedouins. Nope. We're going to flash forward several hundred years. We're talking about the Beguins. Penguins. We're in in the 12th century right now. So the 1100s. And we're in the low countries. Where are the low countries? Lower than the high countries. Sure. Uh, do you want to take a guess where the low countries are? Just did. It's like Netherlands and Belgium. Oh, where are the high countries? The higher up, Switzerland. <laughs> Denmark. <laughs> One of the couple, couple, a couple of things to know about women in the 12th century. Yes. First of all, similar to women in the third and fourth century, women did not have a lot of social power. Really Probably 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th, and 9th, and 10th, and 11th. So there's a, there's a similar level of patriarchy. Women only had authority in religious orders if they were nuns, if they were uh, abbotesses, abbesses, abscesses. But yeah. at this time, they're already starting to curt, uh, men are already starting to curtail the power of abbesses to make decisions and, and have authority over other women. So that's fact number one. One. Fact number two is that in the 12th century, in the Low Countries, there, if you went into a town, like leave the countryside, leave the filth, go to the filth in the town, there's more women than men. How? There we go. Yeah, it's not entirely clear. Uh, the best the best sort of sociological guess is the Crusades. You send all your men to go off and die in farthest Jerusalem, then there will be more women. But the, So there's a book... The other theory is you keep having kids until you have a son and then you stop. No, that's a pretty good theory. Thank you. There you go. You should write a book. Anyway, because the book that was written about this time period is called Cities of Ladies. Yeah. What happens is in these cities of ladies, in these situations where women have much less power, groups of women start, who had been like living alone doing the the virgin thing or doing the sort of uh, sex in the city single woman in Manhattan situation, uh, they start living together in sort of informal monasteries. And they're devoting their life to prayer and to poverty and to doing good work to support the poor. Sound nice. familiar? Yes. Right. So is it, you might look at these, these women and say, ah, you're a nun. You'd be wrong because nuns marry Jesus for the rest of their lives. And these women could return to their life at any moment. So you could uh, become a Beguin. That's what these groups come to be called known, come to be named. And then you could decide later, ah, I'm tired of being a big one. I'm going to marry this dude or join a real monastery or, some, or nunnery or something like that. Um, or they could renounce poverty and say, I'm going to become really rich, whatever. Just like that, boom, boom, boom. Boom, 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 yeah. It's just that easy to become rich. So uh, another thing about these early communities that are forming in the 12th century is they're, they're really, really focused on mysticism and these deep prayer and these deep emotions and all their writing talks about weeping when they pray and they have these visions of God. Uh, 
a lot of them apparently experience stigmata. Do you know what stigmata is? Holes in your hand. Hand, hand holes. Hand holes. Yeah, so stigmata is where you uh, start to bleed in the points where Jesus' body bled when he was nailed to the cross. So the hands and the feet and the side, because in one of the Gospels he gets stabbed, stabbed inside. Yes. So, so there's potentially there's some self-harm happening in the sort of intense mystical devotion of these communities. Also, they're, yeah, they're... Uh, they're, they sold all their possessions, and they're living in rags, wait, wait, wait. and they're not eating food. You, yes, what? You, it's not when you just spontaneously bleed. You make yourself bleed. Well, it is when you spontaneously bleed, but who's to say whether you actually started spontaneously bleeding or whether you made yourself do so as a sign of devotion? Oh, okay. Could be both. You might start to spontaneously bleed. I'm not trying to say that thing doesn't happen. Some women do spontaneously bleed, I've witnessed. Yeah. And this mysticism, this deep prayer, the other thing, some women uh, experience levitation. Nice. While they're praying, they're so deep in prayer, they start to float off the ground. So that's what happens when they dance in Buffy. Well, just in one scene. How does, how does that work? They are dancing, and then their feet are not on the ground. Because they're so good at dancing? Dancing. No, they're in love. Ah, well, these women are so in love with Jesus that they start to float off the ground. Another fact about, about Beguins, so at this time period, if you were a Catholic, and, and you probably were, if you lived in the Low Countries, you would get your Eucharist, your yes. bread and, and body, of Christ. body of Christ, body of Christ and blood of Christ, uh, once a year. Okay. Priests would come around and give it to you once a year. You would get it three times a year if you were in a religious order. Beguins were giving it to each other weekly or sometimes daily. And, of course, if they're giving it to each other, it doesn't officially count, according to the Catholics. Beguins disagreed. It doesn't count because a man or a woman is giving it to you or because... Because of well, no priest. So, so they're like really, really, really obsessed with the Eucharist and they're focused on mystical love and love as this divine feminine force. Is this like Julian of Norwich time? Very, very similar. Okay. She's not a big one, but similar time period. Yes. So, cool. so yes, God is this, is this divine feminine love. So... A couple of examples of this. First, one of the earliest Beguins that we know about is this woman named Marie of Oignes. Oignes? How would you pronounce that that place? Oignes? Oignes? She lived from 1177 to 1213. She convinced her husband to join her. Uh, She was one of the earliest female spiritual directors. And she brought together this group of young women to live in the town, and they prayed together and they cried a lot. Sounds good. You can get behind that. And then there's a Hadowitch of Antwerp. Mm-hmm. She lived sometime in the mid-13th century, so mid-1200s. I think she's referenced in Harry Potter. Yes, there's Hadwich, And then there's Mechfield. Mechfield. You're not getting paid to pronounce these, are you? Mechfield. I'm not getting paid at all. And she's from Magdeburg. She's Mechfield of Magdeburg. And they both wrote these mystical texts about prayer, but they wrote them in the common language that people were speaking. Which was? Sort of a version of German. Okay. Uh, So they didn't write them in Latin. A couple of quotes from Hadwich. You want to hear some quotes from Hadwich? She says, If you would act according to the being in which God has created you, your nature would be so noble that there would be no pains which which you would shun. It would be so valiant that you could not bear to leave anything undone, but you would reach out for that which is best of all, for that great oneness which is God. Aw. Yeah, isn't that good? Isn't that good? Yeah. It's pretty good. So these women who are coming into these towns and joining these communities, some were, a, a lot of them were really, really poor. Mm-hmm. So they weren't selling all their possessions to become poor. They were just showing up. And some were middle class, 
but some were also very, very rich, and they were renouncing everything and, and going around in rags. Uh, and some of the communities in some cities were just, you know, five or ten women. And then there's, you know, the city of Ghent. Ah, classic. Classic city of Ghent had several thousand Beguins. Together? Yep, in one big, uh, big community. The Beguin community in Paris housed 400 women. So this is a sizable group of women yeah. being like, I'd rather pray constantly and uh, be deeply emotional and serve the poor at all times sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, and these are all autonomous communities. There's okay. no like international Beguin order. So you could just sort of declare yourself a Beguin. And your friends too. Yeah. You could be like, I'm a Beguin. And no one could say, no, you're not. And... Some Beguin communities would say, hey, we're really serious about this in a different way. We want to become a convent, a nunnery. And so they'd be adopted as part of the Franciscans or the Cistercians or the, some other groups. Is Cistercian a thing? Yeah. Okay. Cistercians are another group of monks at this time who decided that other monks weren't being intense enough. And so they uh, got really, really intense about getting up at three in the morning to pray for two hours. And they just ate bread and worked a lot, and then later on, people thought the Cistercians weren't serious enough, and so... Oh, not like sister. No, Cistercian. Is it different? Okay. Yeah, it means yeah. spelled sort of similarly. You don't care about the history of the Cistercians? Well, less so if they're not all sisters. Okay. Continue, though. Okay. Not with the Cistercians, with your witches and such. Okay, we're moving on from the Cistercians. We haven't got to the Trappists yet. Anyway. They make jam. Yeah, well, so the Trappists come from the Cistercians. The, Trappi- the Cistercians, Cistercians thought that everyone else wasn't serious enough, uh-huh. and the Trappists thought the Cistercians weren't serious enough. So the Trappists moved to a swamp in the, fr- in the nowhere France and started the monastery, and then they moved to the U.S., and some of them make jam, and some of them make beer. Some of them make Thomas Merton. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're getting back on track. Uh, we drink more rum, we're going to get back on track. One of the, the quandaries that this put the political leads in is, who are these women legally? They were allowed to hold on to their property and live in the world as lay people, but they also got to claim the privileges and protections of being a nun. Why did they get to hold on to their... Were, were women allowed to own property at this point in this place? If they're not officially divorcing their husband, then they can enjoy the benefits of their husband's property, oh, okay. but also get the benefits of being a nun. You can declare yourself a nun and be married. Well, they're not, they're not nuns. They're Beguins. Well, and one of the things that they would claim is, you know, we're not officially nuns, but we're sort of like nuns, and so therefore we qualify for indulgences. You're shaking your head at me. Indulgences being the tokens In, system? Yeah, the, like, get out of purgatory, purgatory free? free card yeah, okay. from earlier. Yeah. So, you know, eventually the, the church bans the Beguins in 1299 and starts burning them at the stake. Ah, like witches. Yes. So, you may think it's entirely women, but in fact, there were some men. They were known as Beghards. <laughs> yeah, Beguins and Beghards. And, and these were mostly older working men who'd been working in some guild, or they'd been a craftsman of some sort. They had outlived all their friends, or they had lost all their family, or something had happened to them. They had bad health, they were getting old. And so they would form these groups of, of beghards who would sort of act like monks but not really be monks, but be able to provide for each other and provide for other poor people. And they also got burned at the stake sometimes. So remember when, when we were talking in 
the very first podcast about um, all the, the peasants who would get up and sort of move to the city or they would move from place to place. Yes. Um, if you're a peasant who get up, gets up and moves to the city and you're lost and you don't know what to do... You can just for be in a community. You can, or the Beguins will take you in and help you find a place. Oh, They okay. were really instrumental in helping peasants adjust to city life or help people move to, new to cities find their way. There's a, most people think that they were sort of that they died out during the Reformation, but it's actually not true. There were Beguins that continued on through the Reformation for a long time. You want to guess when the last Beguin died? 20 years ago. Sooner. 15. Sooner. 2015. Uh, it's so close. The last Beguin, her name was Marcella Patton. She died April 14th, 2013 in Kortrich in, in Belgium. How to pronounce that too? Yeah. Well, look at that. It's entirely consonants. <laughs> oh yeah. That's the history of the Beguins. What did you learn today? I learned that the Beguins are different than the Bedouins. And I learned about the cisterns and cisterns. Crustaceans. Yes. Um, such as crabs. And I also learned about these uh, non-nun nuns and that we're sort of like Julian of Norwich for those of us. That, that's a helpful reference point. And I learned that they were burned at the stake like... Everyone cool. Great.